0: You know, I can clearly remember a time in my life when I was hired for a job that I was not qualified for. I had lunch with the guy a couple of weeks ago. And it didn't take him very long, maybe several weeks, maybe a couple of months of paying me before he realized that I was not qualified for the job. He liked me. I was a nice guy, hopefully like I am now. But I just wasn't qualified for the job. And so there was one day when we had a very, it was a very kind, but a very candid conversation that, you know, ended up, or that caused me, or was the beginning of the end for me in that position. Now, fast forward several years later, I was in what I was starting to believe was an untenable position vocationally, both for me and for my family. But I was really reluctant to even consider changing at that time, because there were a number of fears associated with transition. Now, in the first job, I was a single college student, so I really didn't have much fear of facing the cold light of day, but fast forward a few years, and I had a wife, I had three children, and so considering a vocational transition was a scary thought, scary thought. So I was very reluctant to face facts. Now, why do we, you and I, become immediately nervous when someone says these words? You ever heard these words? We need to talk. (laughs) we need to talk now why do we get nervous when somebody says that because we know that something that was concealed is about to be revealed something that is about to be made explicit that had been just implicit and we know instinctively from experience that this conversation has the potential to have a ripple effect in our lives that can shake the very foundations that we depend on Now, you and I, we all crave two things. We crave a certain amount of stability and a certain amount of sameness. And we want certain things that we can depend on. What are those kind of things? Talk back to me. What do we want to depend on? Electricity. Electricity? Okay, we've we've experienced that. Shelter. Shelter? Money. Money. Good coffee. Coffee. (laughs) I I can provide that. Good coffee. I roast my own. TV, no, not that, but, okay. Air conditioning. Parents, okay. People. People, all right. Here's a few of the things I thought of that many of which you've mentioned. God's grace and mercy. Okay. Car. Car. That can be unreliable at times. So friends, family, coworkers, income, neighborhood, school, all of the things that you've mentioned. In order to maintain this stability, we're willing to let some things go right? We don't address everything. We leave things unsaid. We leave problems unaddressed. We cross our fingers and hope for the best, right? Because we don't want to upset the apple cart. That might affect our stability and security. But at some point, someone decides that we're going to have to bring this into the light. We're going to have to bring whatever's going on, whatever we're not willing to talk about, we're going to have to bring it into the light. And today we're going to study several passages of Scripture where Jesus, the light of the world, describes what happens when we allow him to shine in our lives. In John 8, verse 12, he makes the famous statement, Then Jesus again spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life, or the light that leads to life. And as the light of the world, here are three ways in which Jesus impacts those who are open to his influence. First of all, Jesus is the light that reveals God. Luke 10.22 says, My Father has entrusted everything to me. No one truly knows the Son except the Father, and no one truly knows the Father except the Son, and those whom the Son chooses to reveal him. So in short, without Jesus, we're left with an incomplete picture of God. Now imagine just for a moment, and this is not the case, but you were to take out the second half of your Bible, the New Testament, and all you were left with was the Old Testament. What kind of God would you be worshiping today? Talk to me. Stern. Vengeful. A God of law. A God of justice. A fierce God. Cold, okay, it could, be, it could be perceived that way. Condemnation. Condemnation. Now, I could make a case to you why there's also love and grace in the Old Testament, but if without Jesus, it leaves us with an incomplete picture of God. Just yesterday, we got a pulled out a couple of puzzles, and they were secondhand puzzles, like they had been repackaged and sold at a secondhand um, sale. So we were a little bit nervous when we opened those boxes, and we started putting together the puzzle. And we got down to the end of the puzzle, and there was one missing piece, and we couldn't find it. And we got real nervous. We thought, oh, man, we got a secondhand puzzle. We're going to be missing the last piece in the puzzle. And it just happened to be sitting under, was it my son's? Posterior area. (laughs) And we were a little bit suspicious that he had intentionally concealed it. But when we put that last piece in the puzzle, we got to see an accurate picture. And so that's what it's like for people today. I, I was in a recovery group Wednesday. I volunteer and lead a spiritual guidance group. And there are people there who are trying to get off of substances. And they have fabricated their own picture of God. But it's an incomplete picture. Because growing up in church, they got a distorted view of God. They got a God of the Old Testament. They got a God of judgment and fire and brimstone. And they couldn't handle it. And so they've created their own gods. They just call it their higher power. And my higher power loves. And my higher power forgives. And my higher power accepts. But it's an incomplete picture. Just like when we are putting together a puzzle and we're missing a piece or two. But when you and I consider the life of Jesus, he calms our fears, doesn't he? You want to know what God's like? That's what Jesus is saying with I am. You want to know what God's like? Just look at me. And as we've talked about with, before, with Jesus we see a complete picture of both truth. I mean, he, he says these are God's standards. This is what sin is, but He declines to, to condemn those who fall short of that standard. So we see a complete picture of truth and grace. So it's important for your for the people that you interact with, the people that I interact with. They need we need to bring them to Jesus, so they can see the whole picture. So that they can see a God who has a standard, but they can also see a God who accepts them and loves them. And who wants them to live a good life, a satisfied life. Number two, Jesus is the light that exposes darkness. John chapter 3 verse 20 says, All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it, for their sins will be exposed. But those who do what is right come to the light so others can see that what that they are doing what God wants. So Jesus is the light that exposes darkness. Now what kind of things live and grow in the dark? You ever thought about that? Bugs. I'm talking about, old how is he now? Bugs, mushrooms. Bugs, mushrooms. Oh. What? Moles. Moles? Okay. Moles. 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 <laughs> Moles. That, that, that's more along of what I was thinking. You ever heard about the Maranatha Trench, the deepest trench in the ocean in the yes. world? I um, I forgot what it you, forgot. you all have a book. What's the weird, the grossest thing you've seen in, the, in your book about the Maranatha Trench? The, the bacteria. The, the bacteria. bacteria. The three, feet, the three feet deep blankets of bacteria. Three foot deep blankets of bacteria. And probably not the good kind. Okay? So the kind of things that grow in the dark, they're unhealthy, right? They're unhealthy. Does anybody have a crawl space in their house? Crawl space, do they still have those? Okay. How much time do you spend there? <laughs> Grab a cup of coffee, you know, bring your easy chair. Go sit down in the crawl space. Why not? Dark and dreary. Dark. Dark and, dreary. and what lives down there? Gracie's dad was saying that uh, he jacked up, Gracie used to attend Bible Baptist Church as a child. And Rick and and one of the guys at the church jacked up the church to get underneath to fix the foundation. And he said he just saw oozy, gooey, yucky stuff under there. So we spend as as, as little time as possible in the crawl space. And the reason why is there's lots of gross and icky things there, right? But they're only there because we constructed a place them to exist, right? We constructed a place for those things to live and to grow and to exist. You know, when we avoid the light, we are creating a place for the enemy, both to reside and to grow things that will take up more space. When we stay out of the light we avoid the light because it's uncomfortable, we're creating a space for the enemy to reside and to grow things. St. Teresa of Avila talks about rooms in the human heart. We allow God into certain rooms in our heart, but we restrict him. We bar him from other places. And the problem is that the spaces where we restrict access can slowly affect and infect other rooms. Right? We, allow, we don't allow God space into this one room in my heart because it's, it's tender and it's sensitive and I don't want him there. I don't want you there either. Then it can affect and infect other rooms. So this is how we start with one of those areas. You know, maybe you're struggling with something. Maybe you've struggled with something. You start by say, starting to close the door. You ever done that? Your kids do that. They reach an age. Might already have one. of them. Starts closing the door. Starts putting signs on there. You know what kind of signs? Yeah. Remember that old little rascal show? Remember what the club was? The He-Man the Woman Haters Club. <laughs> That's modern <matter> basement. <laughs> basement. Okay. You've got a man cave. I, I get it. So you start closing the door, right? Why are you closing the door? My mom made me with signs on the inside because she thought it was rude. Right. But why are you closing the door? Keep people out. You want privacy. You don't want to have to clean it, right? We're honest. So we start closing the door. All right, and then we take it up a notch with God. So I'm closing the door. Hey God, there nothing to see here, no problem. Just, just, just. I just need some privacy, need some space. Closing the door, and then we put a do not disturb sign out in front of the door. I haven't locked it, you know. God, I haven't restricted access to God, but I did put a sign on the door. And then I, I do lock it, but just the bottom lock, you know. If God really wanted to, he could jimmy the door. But eventually, I put a deadbolt on the door, and I say, you know what, God. I don't want you in here. Try out one of those other rooms. But by locking in sin, we're not going to win, are we? By locking in sin, we're not going to win. God, stay out of there. God, don't come in there. That's private. That's personal. It's getting too uncomfortable. I don't want you to shine your light in there. 1 John 1, 6 and 7 says, so we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We're not practicing the truth. But if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other. It opens the door to fellowship. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And that's what we need. That's why we don't need to restrict God's access. There's rooms in your heart, in heart. It's time for some spring cleaning. It's time to let the light of the world in to expose the darkness. And you know, light exposes our sin not to harm us, but to help us. That's right. But we're afraid of the light, aren't we? Yeah. I don't want you to see all my rooms. You don't want me to see all your rooms. To tell you the truth, I don't really want to know what's in some of your rooms and you don't want to know what's in some of mine but the light of the world if we'll let him in cleanse us from all sin so if we begin to allow God into these restricted areas then he can help us make room for him clean it out make room, make space for him in our hearts it's kind of like putting off surgery because you're too busy you ever done that? don't want to have surgery, don't want to do that procedure, just going to put it off. Well, what happens eventually? It goes all stop, right? And you're going to get that surgery done, and you're going to get it done today, ASAP, because you put it off too long. And the thinking that we can ignore it until I get through this is dangerous thinking. Let me just get through this busy season. Isn't that what we do? I know there's a problem. I know something's not right. I know I'm a little bit off. I'm anxious. I'm fearful. I'm angry. There's something going on in my heart. Something is not right. But let me just get through this busy season. Let me just get through this crisis. You know, hey, can't you see I've got a good reason for not addressing this? Let me just get through this crisis. Let me just get through this tax season. Huh? Get the IRS off my back. Let me get through this semester if you're a student, right? Got that big test, got that big paper. Just let me get through this semester. Or maybe it's the teacher saying that. Can I get an amen? Let me just get through this semester. Let me get over this breakup, huh? My life's in shambles right now. I'm a bit of a hot mess. Some of you don't know what that is. And that's okay. Let me get over this breakup. What we're really saying is that I will put off letting God into those tender areas as long as possible. Because it'll hurt. Because it'll be uncomfortable. Because I might have to change. So what I'd rather do is I'd rather move forward in intentional ignorance. You ever done that? Intentional ignorance. If I don't see it, no hear no evil, see no evil, right? It doesn't exist, and so I don't have to worry about it. If I ignore it, then I don't have to pay attention to it. But Jesus has a better plan. He says... Friend, expose it. Bring it into the light. Expose it. Don't hide it. Don't lock the door. Don't keep me out. Don't be afraid of me. I'm the light of the world. Expose it. Address it. Don't conceal it. Let me me address it. Let the good shepherd, the great physician, address it. And then let him replace it because that's what he wants to do. He wants access into those tender areas in your life and my life. He wants to expose what's going on in the cold light of day. He wants to address it tenderly, carefully, and he wants to replace it. He wants to make room for himself in your life and my life. Another way to think about it, and my wife says this a lot, I don't know where she got it. She's very brilliant. (laughs) Is that we need to make better passions stronger. Stronger. So the point there is that you cannot say no. We, we know this. You can't say no to sin. You can't say no to compromise. You can't say no to doing the wrong thing or stepping into the gray area unless you have a bigger yes. Right? You can't say no without a bigger yes. You ever tried that just by willpower? I got that last donut in the box. <laughs> and I'm just, I'm just I'm going to say no. I'm just going to toughen out. I failed this last night. I had a couple of Krispy Kremes after a while, oh, nice. but I didn't eat the third one. I don't know where it is now. The dog's probably got it. But you can't say no without a bigger yes. And intentional ignorance blocks this process. So you and I, we need to allow the light of the world into our lives, and we needed to let Him guide our yeses. Yes to faith. Yes to family. Yes to wisdom, yes to purpose, yes to service. We need bigger yeses, don't we? So we don't fall into those traps that the enemy sets Mm -hmm. and gets us caught and gets us wounded and gets us trapped. We need a bigger yes. And this leads us to the final point. After Jesus has given us a complete picture of God, isn't that great? Mm -hmm. You want to know who God is? We don't just have the Old Testament. We've got the Lord Jesus, the good shepherd, which we're going to get to in a couple of weeks, the light of the world. He gives us a complete picture of God. And we've allowed him access into our rooms. Then he has the opportunity to transform our lives. Jesus is the light that transforms life. Ephesians 2, 4 through 6 says, but God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much. That even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So light is essential to life. We were dead in sin, but he gave us life. He raised us from the dead. You know, what is the effect of prolonged periods of darkness on the human psyche, would you imagine? Anybody ever done a job in the dark? Worked third shift? Who's done third shift? What's it like being in the dark day after day, night after night? It's depressing. Depressing, right? We have a family relation who was, as a rookie cop, motorcycle cop, spent 15 years on third shift. Can you imagine that? Dealing with the darkest side of humanity in the dark for 15 years. What kind of impact does that have? And when he finally moved to day shift, it was like he was reborn. <laughs> he shaved his mustache. He was a new person. In Matthew 6.22, Jesus says the eyes are the lamp of the body. So what he's teaching is that if your eyes are healthy or your perspective is If you're focused on Christ, then your whole body is full of light. But if your eyes are dark, if they're focused on self, if they're focused on the world, if they're focused on the pleasures of this life, then your whole body is full of darkness. This is one of those inside-out principles. You know, trying to act like a Christian without loving Jesus, you ever tried this? I mean, your heart's not in it. You're not really sure if you believe, but you're trying to act like you do. What it's like is it's like tying pieces of plastic fruit to a tree, to a branch. You're trying to look like a Christian. You're trying to do the right things. You're trying to go to church. You're trying to live right. But there's something wrong inside. It's like tying plastic fruit to to a tree. There's no life in the fruit. You ever tried to eat plastic fruit? Maybe when you were a kid. There's no life in it, and it's not going to reproduce anything. So we need the light. It's tasteless, right? We need the light that leads to life. First John 4, 17 says, As we live in God, our love grows more perfect, so we will not be afraid on the day of judgment. But we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in the world. And so the light spurs growth that we can live like Jesus here in this world. For you uh, biology folks, photosynthesis is the process by which green plants and some other organisms use sunlight to synthesize foods from carbon dioxide and water. In other words, light helps to fuel growth. And without it, growth will be what? Dormant. Dormant. Stunted. It's not going to grow. Stagnant. It's not going to grow. We talked about that in, the, in Sunday school this morning. The life without light it grows stagnant. Not making progress. In addition, oxygen is created as a byproduct of this process. So in the same way when you and I allow the light of the world to shine in our hearts, we change and grow in a way that is life-giving to those around us. So if we allow the light into our lives to expose our sin, to address it, to replace it, and to grow us and to transform us, then we can also be life-giving agents in our families in our schools, in our workplaces, in our community, and the light spreads, and we can be converts. So the bottom line today is that life is only found in the light. Jesus wants you and I to reach our full potential. He wants us to have life. But what we do is we chase. We don't. We don't go to the light. We chase after shiny things, don't we? It's shiny. It's big. It's expensive. It's exotic. I want it. I've got to have it. I'll give whatever I have to get it. We chase after shiny things. But the funny thing is, is when you get in that trap of chasing after shiny things, it makes you dull and boring. It makes you dull and boring. Truly interesting people are the ones you can't figure out immediately. You ever? Try, I, I did this, I won't say any specifics, but I did business with somebody a little over a year ago. And I've never forgotten it. It was purely transactional. The guy was selling me on something. And he was trying to upcharge me. And it made me feel dirty. It made me feel used. But in that moment, that guy became extremely uncomplicated. A little bit dull. A little bit boring. Just trying to use me. But the people that really interest us, the people that intrigue us, are some of the friends that are sitting with us today. You can't figure them out immediately. They're a little bit more complex than what you see on the surface. They're not just after money. They're not just, even though they make money, they're not just after pleasure, even though they enjoy life. They're servants of Jesus. And so they're not so simple. They're not so easily understood. And those are the people that we find the most interesting. They're more complex than single-minded pursuits would allow them to be, and that's what so many people get caught up in. They're chasing after one thing, what they want. They're serving one God, himself. And so they come across as real straightforward and simple. So these people are not simply driven by money or pleasure or relationships or accomplishments or retirement. They live for Jesus. They're uncommonly transparent and even They fear neither the present nor the future. They are both content with their blessings. That's tough, isn't it? And they're generous with their blessings. It's as if they know a secret that many of us have yet to pick up on. Well, here's their secret. They are walking in the light. They see things as Jesus sees them. Their eyes are, are good. Their eyes are healthy, and so their whole body is full of light. When you see as Jesus sees, you will do as he did. And not out of fear or guilt, but out of love and admiration. So three questions in closing. Firstly, have you seen the light? Have you seen the light? Have you trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Secondly, are you standing in the light? Maybe you trusted Christ at some point in your life, but now there's some rooms that you've locked off. You've barricaded the door. You don't want God or anybody else going in there. So are you standing in the light, unafraid, unashamed, because Christ has come in and freed you? And thirdly, are you walking in the light? So have you seen the light? Are you standing in the light? Have you opened yourself to examination? And are you walking in the light, walking in freedom? My prayer for you is that the answer to each of these questions would be a resounding Yes, because life is only found in the life. Amen. Pray with me. God, thank you so much for today and for this opportunity to hear from you and hear from your word, Jesus, that you are the light of the world. And we don't have to fear you. We don't have to fear being exposed because as the gentle um, shepherd, as, as the good physician, as, as the skilled surgeon, Lord Jesus, what you're desiring to do is to operate on us, to cut off those, those bad areas in order to heal us, in order to free us, in order to to give us the abundant life that you've always had in mind for us. So I pray that we would be open to seeing the light, to standing in the light, and to walking daily.